Hey everyone and welcome to the show. I am Sarah Kane, better known as the Crusader Gal, and today I'm joined by two special guests. I've got Carrie Solomon and Chuck Konzelman here with me. They are the producers of God's Not Dead, Unplanned, some pretty like big name movies that you're probably familiar with, but more recently the movie Nefarious, which is out in theaters. Welcome to the show, both of you. Thank you Thank for, you having, for us. having us on. Oh, it's, it's great to have you. I'm so glad that you could join me. I, I did watch the movie, um, just obviously, I suppose, but I, I really enjoyed it. And in part because I was a little bit concerned just because I know that, you know, you produced movies like God's Not Dead. So you produce a, a sort of, you know, obviously Christian movie. And while it was a really good Christian movie, you kind of think you expect a certain thing from a, a Christian movie, right? You just You just do. And this movie wasn't that at all. And it certainly wasn't the more like generic, you know, the hallmark Christian movie either, you know, which are, which are kind of infamous, you know, and even, you know, as a Catholic, as a Christian, I still kind of cringe at most Christian movies out there. And this just didn't have that vibe. So thank you for that. <laughs> First of all, mm. um, would you go ahead and give us a bit of a synopsis about what Nefarious is about? Sure. Sure. Uh, the setup for the story is that there's a condemned serial killer. It's the date scheduled for his execution, uh, but his previous prison psychiatrist has just committed suicide, calling all of these psychiatrists' recent findings into question. Well, the state cannot execute you unless you're found to be sane. They don't execute insane people. They only execute theoretically sane people. So the court appoints a new psychiatrist to go in and do sort of an 11th hour evaluation of... Uh, of mental fitness. Uh, the warden of the prison warns this new shrink. He says, basically, this guy is going to get inside your head. He's going to twist it around. Uh, he doesn't want to be killed. He's going to lie to you. And if you listen to him, you'll think you're the killer by the time he's done rather than him. The shrink kind of shrugs that off. He goes in, he sits down opposite the condemned, and the condemned starts revealing surprise after surprise. First, he knows everything about the psychiatrist life. Secondly, he says, I want to be executed. I'm actually a demon in possession of a human being. And thirdly, I know you don't believe anything I'm telling you, but before you leave here today, you will have committed three murders of your own. And the shrink dismisses all of that. And the rest of the movie is about watching how that plays out. Thank you. I, I, I guess it's kind of a, a thriller is where I would place it because it kind of has this, this dark, it has the suspense, but it's not like a jump scare horror movie. You know what I mean? Yeah. Psychological thriller, I would say, is the best way. It's got horror undertones, but it's really a psychological thriller. It's kind of the mature version of Screwtape Letters meets Silence of the Lambs. Well, I, I, I think that one of the problems that uh, certain faith-filled people or even secular people, they look at the poster and they say, oh, I'm not going to that. That's one of them demonic, satanic movies. We actually did that for a reason. Most people don't realize that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But now they do, since I'm telling you, right? But uh, we did it to lure in non-believers. The poster's a Trojan horse. It's a Trojan horse. And so we know that... You just want to pull in horror... random horror people instead of just instead right. of just attracting the, the sort of Christian right. Right, exactly. who, ha who have no faith uh, grounding whatsoever. But are, you know, they're in love with these horrific more, uh, demonic movies where, quite honestly, I think they're out of their mind because they're going to get infested and so on. But there's another story. Sure. But the bottom line is so they go through this whole process. Uh, we did that for, an, for a very specific reason. But our poster artist, just so you get uh, our, the guy who did our poster is the guy who did the poster for The Passion of the Christ. Oh, wow. So this, 
This is yeah, among, yeah, among so. other things. He also did our poster for Unplanned, so he's really, really he's really good, cool. but he's also a believer yeah. and right. he's a, a faithful, faithful, faithful Catholic. Right. So we use the poster to bring people in like a Trojan horse, like I said. But in re and we also got an R rating. And the R rating really is a political R. Hollywood gave us the R because they know Christians will not come to see it. And that's the whole point of why they tried to crush right, the movie. Right, because I don't see, and there's no profanity, there's no nudity in that, nothing. Of the there's nothing demonic, nothing, nothing satanic, no nudity, no profanity, no sex. I mean, and basically it's a punishment. You know, yeah. this is what we deal with. We dealt with this. This should have been a PG-13 and not even that hard of a PG-13. Right, and we so... We try to explain that to the audience, but what we can say is, look, it, it's not your typical demonic, satanic, over the top, people walking across the wall, spitting green soup and their heads turning around. It's none of that. There's well, no, there's well, that no was spectacle. one of the things I really liked about the movie was that the, the possession angle was believable. Right? It, right? it wasn't just like, this is this Hollywood thing. Um, where it, it's all about special effects and everyone just kind of tunes out and laughs it off when the movie's over. It was actually a, right. a sort of possession that lines up with what actual exorcists say and describe and which doesn't sort of like make you disbelieve and throw you into, oh, this is just obviously a movie because you can't just throw it away when the movie's over because it seems like something that, that, that could and does actually happen. Well, Father Carlos Martins, who is the premier exorcist in the United States, basically saw the movie. He's our biggest champion. And basically what he said was that this movie, his words, this movie is the the uh, the best movie on exorcism. The most realistic portrayal of ever. the demonic. Ever. I was going to ask you if you've had any exorcists who, who watched it. Yeah. I mean, and he has basically said it's the best movie on exorcism ever. Uh that's been ever ever made and this is what i deal with his words this is what i deal with every day every this day. is a realistic portrayal of what he deals with and so that might scare people but they shouldn't be scared because the bottom line is what we're doing is we're dragging the devil out of the darkness into the light so it should give people power to understand they're being manipulated they're being uh, you know misused well, what's interesting about this entire conversation is that i as a, I'm a Catholic convert, but I've noticed that when speaking with with other Catholics, that a lot of them just don't believe that exorcists even exist, which is sort of mind-boggling. But they don't, they don't believe or know, I should say, I, that even exorcists exist. That they're they're part of, you know, the church and everything like that. They they just are so sort of divorced from it because they're so immersed in like the the sort of secular version of what our faith should be. Um, yeah. that, uh, well. Mm -hmm. I think if you asked Father Martins if he existed, he would tell you yes, and he is the an exorcist. So, and we had an exorcist on set. You know, one of the problems is that when you declare war against the devil, he fights back. And so we had all these profoundly affecting we, things. Our exorcist trained priest who was on set and was staying with us had an emergency appendectomy during shooting, and his appendix burst during removal. I'm we sure. had the roof to the building where we were making the movie ripped off. We had car crashes. We had everything you could possibly imagine. The, 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 well, the, the, I went to, um, I've been to a spiritual warfare conference, um, I don't know, an hour and a half away from, from where I live, a different parish. And the, the description, I'm just filling this in for, for viewers and stuff, what you often find are interruptions in the event actually taking place that that aren't really explained especially when you you line them up just the probability of so many different things going wrong and so that, that's what they described in the conference that i went to and that's kind of similar to what you're describing you you had a lot of different things just kind of happen to try and prevent you from yep. 
Yes, they're still. Well, let me tell you one thing. So we had Father Carlos, you know, on the day before our premiere, we do a press junket for a couple of days ahead of time where people are interviewed and saw, you know, Sean Patrick Flannery, the stars, us and so on. And all the press comes in and they, they do their interviews and stuff. And one of the things is that uh, so we're filming it. All of a sudden, the room lights start flickering, which makes it impossible to film. Right. Right. The sound mixer dies. The two cameras that we're using to shoot the discs that we're taping everything will get corrupted. So we call Father Martins. He comes back to the room and he says, I know what this is. Walks across the room, five floors up, puts his back to the window and basically takes out his book and starts doing in Latin an exorcism Writer, in the room. Right of exorcism for place in Latin. And basically yeah. he's going through it and then suddenly, now remember, behind him is a window and five floors down. There's no balcony, there's nothing like that. And all of a sudden a woman is chanting demonic uh, phrases in his ear. But he keeps going, he keeps going because they're trying to distract him to stop the prayer, obviously. And what was the line uh, with that he reaches a part, in Latin? He reaches a part in the right where he says, bow, bow now before the great and terrible name of Jesus. And that's where the inter the, the interference stops. The, the, the not, voice disappears. Not, and does not begin again. The lights stop flickering, okay? Everything works. Now, you explain that, I mean, along with 20,000 others. We've had people get sick. We pray over them. They're better. We have people come nearly to death. We had eleven. We had eight car accidents in 11 days shooting the movie. You had eight Not car accidents in 11 days? Eight car accidents in 11 days. And, and the problem, and the cars were totaled. But here's how the Lord works. The devil attacks. The Lord protects. Not one person got a scratch. And the cars were totaled. Okay. So it's amazing. And so you, we, every email, every cell phone, I mean, we did an article with Newsweek. Our interview with Newsweek had to be taken three times. The first two were by audio. When neither of those worked, they asked us to do it in writing, and we couldn't send the email. It took us 20 minutes to send an email. Crazy. After the email was completed. And we were in a diner, and I'm sending emails like a wild dog. I mean, everywhere. He can send other emails, but we can't send this email. And yeah, I said to him, my computer just freezes up. I said to him, let's, let's get smart. So we did a, uh, we prayed to the Lord, and we asked for the Holy Spirit and the Blessed Mother and St. Michael. And suddenly, two, shh, there it goes. We sent it. And he got it, and they were able to print it. But this is a battle. You know, uh, Steve Dace, the author of the book, uh, Nefarious Plot, that inspired the movie yeah. the day before the premiere, uh, I'm sorry, the, the day before a theatrical release, uh, he starts off with a pimple under his arm uh, in the morning. By nightfall, he's incoherent in an ER, and he's got a live MRSA infection. And he almost dies. his body, and he almost dies. But this has been a constant thing. In other words, this far and no farther. In other words... The Lord is with us, but he tells us he's going to protect us when we do these kinds of movies. Same thing in Unplanned. Yeah. He told us very specifically, I need you to put on your armor. The difference with but Unplanned. I want you to do this for me. The difference with Unplanned, though, was that during production, mm -hmm. we had a hedge mm -hmm. of protection around us. We had absolutely no troubles during production. Our troubles started after we were done with the film. When you were trying to the get marketing. it in theaters and everything like that? Yes, okay. and internationally and all that. With this particular picture right from the get-go, I mean, our first attempt at shooting, we were 10 days from shooting, and of our 15 key personnel, nine went down with COVID. Carrie was in the hospital for eight days. And you know, I had the greatest peace on me. I actually had an eight-day vacation <laughs> because the Lord was speaking to me. I was it was amazing. It was amazing. He told me what was going to happen and everything, and I, I was just 
profoundly affected. You know, one of the things that also happened, uh, which is when we were filming the scenes, we were in the convention center in Oklahoma, and so it's all girded because it's a, a basketball court, mm -hmm. basically. Well, it used to be a professional basketball arena. For the, the, the NBA Thunder. And so what happens is we're shooting a part and we're talking about the devil, and I am not kidding. The whole building, this is a 250,000 square foot building. Oh, it's a 1.25 million square foot facility. Okay, overall. And it's the enormous. bottom line is the building, the girders start bending and groaning. And, and groaning. And it sounded like we were in the bowels of hell. Now, I want you to imagine. Like the building was in pain. I, I And that's every time we're shooting the, the scene about the devil. We stop shooting the scene of the devil, it stops. We do it again. It starts. Well, that must have been unnerving. And every, oh, it was unnerving. <laughs> Atheists and secular people that were in the area and all looked up and, and this is to me confounding. You're an atheist. You're not supposed to believe in any of this, right? And they say, it sounds like we're in hell. And they were all freaked out. Yeah. We were told it was the highest sustained winds in the state of Oklahoma's history. Now, we're talking about Oklahoma, where, like the song says, the wind comes sweeping down the plain. So this was, we had 70 mile an hour sustained winds that were gusting. Just up. everything. But, you know, this is this is. This is what makes the movie what it is. I believe that the movie is a light into the darkness. It pierces the darkness and reveals the devil's machinations. Well, look, it's true. I agree. Um, but let me tell you what I like about the movie. It, it doesn't take the typical Christian movie approach of trying to prove the existence of God, but instead the existence of the devil. And that's kind of fascinating in its approach. I think that we, we sort of live in a society that doesn't take evil seriously. And as a result, doesn't take God seriously because you don't need a savior if there is no evil. Um, I, I presume that was your intent. Well, I will say this. We didn't make this as a Christian movie. Right. We did what C.S. Lewis says. These are we are Christians mm -hmm. who made a movie. It's different than making a, a Christian movie. Mm -hmm. Okay, mm -hmm. so we... You know, we want to tell the real tale of the devil. Now, a lot of people are labeling it Christian because that's how they tear it down, right? Because Christian movies are inherently usually bad. <laughs> yeah. But the bottom line is we're learning how to do it. People are learning how to do it. You know, one of the things that uh, we feel that we did with God's Not Dead is we elevated the game. You know, all of a sudden people had something to aspire. They saw it, right? Mm -hmm. Same thing with Unplanned and so on and so on. But what we're saying uh, is we're believers, we're devout Catholics, devout Catholics who basically consecrate our movies to the Lord and to the Virgin. And we do everything. We have a priest on every movie. Mm -hmm. Okay. On set, we pay for that. It's a line item in the budget. Okay. We do mass and adoration and confession every day. We talk, we're praying. Uh, we got our rosaries. We do that. Not easy always because one hand you're shooting a movie, the other hand you're praying beads. <laughs> but the bottom line is that we do it. We're very, very serious about this, but we don't start off and say, we're going to make a movie, you know, a Christian movie. No, that's not what we do. Right. We make a great movie, but we happen to have, we're Catholics, so our morality comes into the movie. Because what we showed in that movie is truth. That's what we showed. And that's why haters are reacting so crazily and why Faithful people are reacting at 97, 98% on Rotten Tomatoes. It's it's insane. We have the biggest disconnect on Rotten Tomatoes between critics and and, uh, and the audience. 
victory. So we're 90, we float 97 to 98% with the audience. We float a bit in the 20s, between 23 and 30% with the critics. And that's, that's, that's an amazing disconnect. It is. It really is. Do, do you think, is it fair to say this, that the movie is somewhat of a metaphor in that the psychiatrist that you have there sort of represents the world in his adherence to science and the sort of like popular culture. Is that fair? That's exactly, exactly what, what he is. And he, and he also, it, it works well that he enters by virtue of his unbelief and in relying on his intelligence, he enters this battle completely unprepared right. for what he's facing. And what he, what the character's always been able to rely on is his raw intelligence. He's just a, a brilliant guy. But if you match your intelligence against demonic diabolical intelligence, that's that's out of your weight class. Right. You're just not going to do very well. You know, I think it's very realistic too. I mean, he represents mankind, really. You know, I know everything. I don't need God. I don't need anything. And all of a sudden, wham! He runs into evil. And, you, and he, he represents. Go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. I was gonna say, and you even have this priest there that's that's that originally was was called upon as being the chaplain, right? So he's a chaplain. So we don't know what denomination he is. He's just random chaplain. And suddenly he he becomes identified as a priest. And, and then the um, the guy who's demon demonically possessed, he's he's nervous, right? He's scared. And then suddenly when he realizes there's this is this sort of like modernist priest who doesn't really believe in evil or demons or anything, the demonic uh, possessed guy, he's just he's just relaxed. There's no there's no longer anything yeah. for him to fear. Well, there's the Latin right and the Novus Ordo right and the suburban right, and he's a priest of the suburban right. So and so we, you know, uh, we're not fond of that kind of uh, situation. Yeah. So, but we wanted to show. Unfortunately, that's where the church is. Oh, absolutely. Uh, I mean, look, well, it doesn't help to deny the the state that things are in. We have to first acknowledge the problem before we can fix them. And right. you know, we're not going to deny that this is this is a situation in the church, obviously. But you know, there are a lot of good priests, nuns, deacons, and so on and so forth. A lot of faithful Catholics and, and Christians. Yep. But I thought we thought it was important to show this. By the way, a little Easter egg. I don't know if you grew, your people will find it, but when he, when Sean Patrick Flannery stands up and screams, you know, he's retreating in the table because he's scared. If you look very carefully. His two, he's got hairs that stand out like horns. Oh, really? I didn't notice. And, and when the priest is there, he's scared, so the horns are up and out. They're not horns, they're hair, right? right? Yeah. But when he finds out the priest is a poser, a progressive, the, the you know, uh, kumbaya and all that stuff, the horns come down. Like, in other words, I got nothing to worry about. Yeah. <laughs> right. And to the same degree that the priest impotence or unbelief is comforting to the demon that the atheism of the psychologist is similarly comforting to the demon because it's like this person doesn't know what he's dealing with and i think that in our culture oh, wait, oh. it's like yeah. so many don't know what we're dealing with because they think we're just we're dealing with political battles and we're not you know we're dealing with spiritual battles and we have like a culture that's just sort of dying and doesn't realize that it used to rest on a foundation of christendom and to, and like with that being evaporated in modern culture increasingly over time we're lacking that foundation and so we're just losing the spiritual battle because there's nothing on which we stand that's exactly right the, the a lot of the purpose of the movie is for the scales to fall from believers eyes and realize we're not in a cultural battle we're in a spiritual battle that's that's what this thing is and i mean really if you look at it from the beginning of time what was it really all about it was about god and the devil good and evil 
Right. Okay. And Jesus came, like we point out in the movie, when the devil, which I think is amazing sequence, uh, must say so ourselves. I'm not. I'm. I'm going to try and remain humble because the Lord. <laughs> yeah, humble brag. But when we say the cross was our greatest mistake, Jesus, right? I mean, right. it's it's just so brilliant if you look at the story of Christ and creation and all this. I mean, as a true believer, this amplifies. And I want your your listeners to realize. We're not here to scare you. We're not here. We're not doing jump scares and like a head's head spinning. This is a simple It's a conversation. Movie. But what it is, is it's like a real exorcism in terms of the devil, the demon, the demon in this piece for reasons of his own is deciding to tell the truth for a large part. From his point of view. For his advantage. For right. large parts of this story. So we get a glimpse at the way this works. In a weird way, I'll compare it to... What happened with The Godfather, when The Godfather came out, mm -hmm. the, so American society, American culture was only a few years away from first learning about how the mafia was working. It had been a complete mystery, complete secret. And then in the 60s, you know, they had their first person who entered witness protection, the first time the secrets were revealed. So we were, we were only a little way away from first hearing about how the mafia worked and how the mob worked. We don't really know a lot how about how the diabolical works in our culture today. So this is a glimpse at that. And that's why I think it's fascinating for a lot of people. They're yeah. seeing a system that they're not familiar with. And the timing is perfect because I deny any I would ask all your listeners or viewers to when they step out of their house in the morning and they're in their car or they're going to the store or whatever. You've got to admit there's something different in the world right now, in the air, in everything. Something there's wrong. A, there's something wrong. There's something off. And it's darkness. It's either the, the devil has, is no longer hiding. He's come fully out. Oh, that brings and me so to, I, to, that's kind of yeah. like, um, okay, so in the movie, I'm not going to give away too much of the movie, but there was one point that I really liked was when the demon's talking to the psychiatrist and he says, you don't see evil. You've lost the ability to see evil. That, that, that was awesome. And it's, and it's theological, right? Because, I mean, we're taught sin clouds our vision, cl clouds our minds. And so when you have these people who are engaged in perpetual sin or perpetual evil, you might say, they sort of lose the ability to clearly understand the world around them and, and even understand more what we ought to consider to be basic concepts. And I think that you can kind of see that in modern cultural conversations where it's like you can't, you can't even have a conversation with the person because they just don't even see reality as it is anymore. Yeah, I mean, we, we're still facing the same the same adversary we've faced for all of time, but we've lost most of the defenses against that. When we when we don't embrace the weapons that are provided by the faith, when we get when we walk away from the sacraments, when we walk away from reconciliation, when we stop confessing sin and repenting and we start embracing it and celebrating it, well we're at a we're at very much of a disadvantage yeah. in this battle. You um you tackled some of the heaviest issues of our day in the movie you tackled euthanasia you tackled abortion i'm sure you didn't do that without like careful thought why did you decide to to take those head on well we wanted to uh piss off everyone else who didn't like us <laughs> yeah we were concerned after we did unplanned we were concerned there might be three progressives in the country that didn't already hate our guts and so um, we said we've got to get them with the other three yeah we got we, we were there we did so you know that's it no what we did was um, you know, I think euthanasia is is coming on a mass scale. It's already in Canada. It's going to be all over the world very soon. Yep. And I think it's a, a it's one of those sins 
that, you know, where you just get rid of your parents and like, you know, you inherit everything. Right. But I think it's one of those sins that it's almost like a silent sin. It's like no one really thinks about it and knows about it. Oh, I just got rid of my parents and I move on kind of thing. Right. Right. And deep down inside, I think we wanted to show people. Uh, uh, uh. It's a that, sin that, of, that's that's murder. It's a sin of misplaced mercy. And it's, and it's a real and it's a manipulation dangerous. by the devil. Abortion, obviously, is a more outward sin. Right. But we believe strongly that, uh, you know, we just believe that America cannot be saved unless it stops abortion. And and. The world cannot be saved. Lord, the Lord will not tolerate God. Our good God will not tolerate the murder of his children. His most precious, most wonderful thing that has ever created his children. And look what they're doing to the children now. I defy anyone to say this is not evil. It's evil on every single level, not only abortion, but, uh, the mutilations that come later. I mean, it's unbelievable. The idea that you can abort a child after it's born mm-hmm. is we are praying to Moloch. The scenes in this movie really represent. And the reason we did that, it shows what's going on in the world. So we very specifically targeted every single word. And I will tell you one thing so your your listeners know. Chuck and I are from New Jersey. We can't write dialogue like this, okay? That Guys from Jersey don't write dialogue. This was the Holy Spirit. And so we just said yes. Princeton is probably excluded, but we didn't go there. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, do you think that the, um, the movie sort of, it approached the topic of incrementalism um, as, a, as it pertains to evil in daily life? And this is, uh, I think, an important topic because, and I've said this to my audience tons of times, but Nobody ever wakes up one day and decides to be a villain. And I don't think that any of the villains, including the major ones throughout the 20th century, ever said to themselves, I'm the villain, I'm going to be the villain. They, they rationalize their way through a bunch of really evil decisions. And progressively, you know, when we, when we can step back and say, well, it wasn't us, so we're looking at them, we can see just how diabolical some of those decisions were. But individuals, they don't see it. You know, you just make one one little approach after another, and unless you're willing to sort of look at an objective standard of what evil is and where it comes from, you're not going to see it in your own life. And you kind of like you really through through using somebody else, through using the psychologist, you you really kind of showed how that happens. And I thought it was amazingly done. I I really do. It's a triumph of relativism. You know, once you once you abandon all objective standards of what's right and wrong. You know, what do we hear, ironically, gets reinforced in most movies, most novels, whatever. Just follow your heart. To borrow from, to, to borrow from, to borrow from Tim Keller, um, the Presbyterian minister, isn't that what serial killers do? Isn't, don't they follow their heart? Right. So, um, Well, one yeah, of the things is that, that, you know, in our modern society, that the best thing is if you can just be as passionate as possible. Just passion. And it's like, well, okay, but passionate towards what? You know, I'm often saying, like... The 20th century would have been way better if Stalin was just a little bit less passionate. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it doesn't really matter what you're passionate about as look, you know, if you're not going in the right direction. Because ultimately, yeah, that's, that's kind of important. You know, otherwise, world, you're just kind of dragging us all the wrong way. The world might have been a much simpler place if Adolf Hitler had been accepted to art school. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> it's a little less, less passion uh, in the wrong direction. Yeah. So, yeah, completely. Um, well, that's how the devil works, too. I mean, he slowly, step by step, corrupts. And and we tr- and multiple times in the movie, we show it. 
you know, he shows, he tells him, you're going to commit three murders. He doesn't, he doesn't realize it. And he doesn't, he says, that's not going to happen. But it happens, right? Slowly but surely. And in the end, the final murder, without giving away too much, obviously I'm giving away too much, but he voluntarily puts the man to death. And he knows that it's that this guy is innocent, that he's actually... But before that, what, what you find is they can't agree on the definition of murder. But the, the demonic has a different definition than we sometimes do. You know, so that's, that's, that's the... And, it's just a different We standard. can't agree on a definition of murder, right? That's why we don't use the word murder. That's why when you're talking about abortion and when you're talking about euthanasia, we don't use the word murder because we don't want to agree on the definition. You know? Well, right. we don't agree because we know that it's murder. So that one of the best parts in the movie is he comes back in and he says, I want to know why, uh, how you knew my uh, girlfriend was going to get an elective termination. And the demon laughs at him and says, elective, okay, whatever. In other words... It's you're you're just so perfect. You're just so perfect. You you are fulfilling our agenda, right. and and I think it's powerful to note that you know that's the way. And most people justify their everything they do. Yes. I mean, uh, look, we're guilty of it. Everybody's guilty of it. Sure. To a certain extent, it's only when you get Christ and that you start to move closer to God, then you start saying. You know, maybe I shouldn't have done that. Maybe I shouldn't do that. I'm going to go to confession. I'm going to straighten my life out. I'm going to be more, I'm going to pray more, you know, and that kind of, and the closer we get, the less we do that. But, you know, not everyone is a traditional diehard faithful Catholic. So, you know, would that it were so. Not everyone, really? There's yeah. <laughs> well, our, our souls are being contested for, ultimately. And I think the movie kind of reminds you of that. Just something that, yeah. that you know, it's easy to sort of try and put that out of mind and if, if you do, if you sort of follow the modern culture's push to put that out of mind, you end up in this incremental path that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, that's really what the movie's about. It's the battle for one soul that takes place in 90 minutes in real time, mostly over a table. Yeah, that's what it is. It's not something I could just like stop thinking about after I turned off the movie. You know what I mean? It's like it feels like you've been through a bit of an emotional roller coaster and it kind of stays with you. So it was really good in that regard. I mean, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I, We're hearing that turn over. You're not the only one. No. If, if we, and by we, I mean those who are conservative and those who are Christian of any stripe, uh, are going to take the culture back, I think that there needs to be an encouragement of the production of art and movies and books and so on in order to create a sort of parallel culture because you can't immerse yourself in the crap that's coming out you know, from the, right. from the secular world and expect that we're going to be able to to have anything that stands to call itself a culture. I mean, that's absurd. And really, I don't think there is such a thing as a secular culture, really. You just have very different gods um, that are undeclared. And that's really what you, what you have going on right now. I'm over that. I think one of the best examples of that is how like everybody cringes at the idea of a blasphemy law in the modern age, but those on the on the political left want blasphemy laws in the form of hate speech prohibitions, right? They want to they want to prohibit certain types of speech to protect what they what are basically their gods. And so that's what I mean when I say there's no secular state, because there just isn't. There is no secular culture. There can't be because man is inherently a religious creature. And so that's why we end up just propping up different stuff. Uh, to fill our own vacuums that we that we create through our own denial. Have you, since you released the movie, and it's still early days, but have you had issues with cancelling within theatres, struggles getting into theatres? Yep. Sure. Yeah, I mean, uh, a combination of, well, look, 
there's a demonic host, there's a demonic army that is out there in every in every theater, in every place we go. Uh, we had, for example, uh, fire alarms would go off in the theaters and, and for no reason whatsoever all across the country one in the third act. One showing of 500 people that Steve Dace, the author, was supposed to be at, but he couldn't go because of his hospitalization that we talked about. They couldn't figure out what was wrong, and they found there was a lens cap over the Somebody projector. Somebody put the lens. They never do. Nobody puts a lens cap on a station. That's like projector. from 1940. You know, I mean, right. come on, it doesn't happen. You know, there was one theater chain that basically in 17 states, all their machines went down, and yeah. basically they couldn't sell tickets to Nefarious. Show, okay. Shows were showing as being completely sold out, and yet they weren't. They were empty. Or basically, so they'll let tickets. you go into the theater for free. If you go to this movie, I mean, it's just all these crazy, insane stuff. We faced a lot of this with us. You know, we had the same thing on plan. Look, the devil is good at what he does, but he does not like being dragged into the light. He doesn't want people to realize. But I think that the Lord is going to do a mighty work here. And I, I, I don't think it. I believe it. I have full confidence that he's going to use this the way he wants to use it. How can people help with the theater issues? I think that basically... This coming weekend is very, 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 very important for us. Why is that? Because if we, do, if we do not do good this weekend, if we do not do better than we did last weekend, that gives them an excuse to cut our screens. We'll be swept away. Okay. And we'll be swept away. We're up against $75 million of horror film advertising with three other horror films. And we don't have that money. We, we have don't no, have that budget. We have practically nothing. And yeah. so the bottom line is that... Uh, and also, by the way, this movie... Per screen average was higher. Let me give you an example of what we're up against. Renfield, okay, had a per screen average of nine hundred dollars. Under a thousand dollars. Under a thousand dollars. We had like almost fifteen hundred, so we're way better than them. Right. They upped their screens to three thousand three hundred and seventy-five screens, and yet lowered our screens to seven hundred and fifty. So you, you know we you got to realize that there is a battle going on. We don't get a fair hearing, so we've really got to try to try to overperform. In order to stay. Otherwise, you know, in the Battle of David and Goliath, they take away our sling. I think even better is I see that you have Joan of Arc, or at least I presume this is, it is. Uh, Joan of Arc. We're Joan of Arc. You know, we're accused, maligned, arrested, tormented, and yet we're trying to fight the battle, right? We're trying to do it. If people don't come and stand up, if they don't vote by coming to the movie, if they don't spread the word, you know, everyone says, like you said before, we need more of this. Well, it's just not going to appear on its own. You know, if somebody's got tremendous amounts of money out there, I would urge them, reach out to us. Look, what I could do with Buy 50 or tickets. $100 million, Buy are you kidding? tickets for a youth group. Do something. Do, do something. something. Pray. You know, go if to the movie. If you're broke, say a rosary. Okay? Yeah, I mean, you know, the problem is we're fighting the good are in, fight. But are you in theaters throughout the United States at the moment? We we're in theaters throughout the United States, but not, in a lot of not places. Not Canada. Canada won't let us in. But oh, we're going to get in there, too. We're going to sneak into Canada. <laughs> so, you're Canadians that are listen. We're coming. Good for you. Well, I, I certainly urge all my audience members to go and see it. It really is a, a genuinely good movie. Have you, you two, had issues with cancelling within Hollywood? We have, We've been cancelled for five years. We have no support on any level from Hollywood. What's that like? I want you to picture an island yeah. about 20 feet wide and 20 feet long. And then me and Chuck are on that island. And that's where we live and make our movies. It, you have to understand, by the way, Hollywood is the belly of the beast. It's right. so bad. It's oh, so bad. Gosh. Okay, on Unplanned, let me give you the two states of the world. 
Planned Parenthood has a permanent on-site representative in Hollywood to give lectures on how to do pro-abortion programming. She does it at Karen Spruik. She does it at the agency. She does it for writers. They sponsor a luncheon every year at the Sundance uh, Film Unlimited Festival. money, unlimited funding, does whatever they want. We can't even buy advertising. It was so bad and unplanned that we were invited to testify before a Senate Judiciary Subcommittee on Suppression of Conservative Thought. Went to the White House twice because of it. Okay, I mean, Was let's that the be Trump serious. White House? Yeah, mm -hmm. but yes, and and we loved it. But but the <laughs> bottom line, is, what I will tell you straight off the bat is, however, is that every force of evil, and that's most of the world, mm -hmm. the media, we immediately get zeros. No matter what movie we put out, we could put out The Godfather, Gone with the Wind, whatever. This is hate-filled. This is this. this People I mean, who don't see the movie go on the site to give us ones and zeros. And they've never seen the movie. That's why you right. got the R rating. So, or, or any other thing. If it's an extreme battle that we're doing. Hollywood, what people need to know, and I think a lot of Christians at this point, Catholics, Christians, everyone, know that Hollywood is not their friend. But what they don't know is that Hollywood is aggressively trying to destroy not only the youth, not only the children, not only America, but God. And that's what this really- Belief and, in Christianity. They and, don't want it. And they just believe that the sooner they do it, the world will be free. They view, and the devil laughs. They view Christianity as a primitive superstition and that man will not achieve his full potential until we divorce ourselves from these primitive beliefs. And that's what the programming actively does. And by the way, out of every movie we've done, guess how many Hollywood dollars we've been given? Not one. Well, the Not thing one. is, you know, you've got these Planned Parenthood uh, representatives who are providing funding of sorts for these different... I mean, that's that's the American taxpayer because American tax money is going to Planned Parenthood. And so you kind of have this, this evil cycle uh, that you have wherever Planned Parenthood shows up because they're funded by by the taxpayer against the will of most taxpayers who do not want their, their taxes to go to that. And then they fund Democrat and leftist causes and, of course, programming in, in multiple senses. It's, 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 right. it's really dark what's going on. Well, yep. I do thank you both uh, for your work on this. It is it is a very good movie. I hope people go out and see it. That's nefarious. Would it be uh, okay if I were to put the trailer at the end of this interview? Sure. Absolutely, absolutely. Now, I got to let you know, everyone who's listening, when you look at the trailer, it's going to freak you out, especially as a Catholic. And the bottom line is the trailer is designed, again, to get non-believers into the theater because they love the demonic and the satanic. What we did is we cut the trailer in such a way as to make it... To appeal to, appeal to a horror audience. To a horror audience. So we get them in the room, and then we give them a right hook, left hook. As one book reviewer who's a total sold-out believer for Christ said, oh, because he was at our premiere, he said, this is the equivalent of a theological drive-by shooting. In a good way. In other right. words, the audience... And we're okay with that. We're okay with they that. They sit down in the chair, and what they don't realize is they're about to hear a bunch of scripture, ironically. They're about more than probably any other movie we've been in. It's just coming out of the mouth of a demon who actually believes all of it. He just doesn't like it. But the thing is, it's not boring. You know, I think people tend to associate uh, theological discussion with something that's just... You know, you're just going to sit there and you're going to be bored like you're going to be, you know, lectured by some random preacher. And it's just so not that. We've had thousands and thousands and th millions of people. Mm -hmm. Not one person, even the haters said, 
Okay, after this, when I'm with you, I have a liberal guy who runs a, a podcast out of Massachusetts. Yeah. A liberal, diehard liberal. And he called us and he said, I'd like to uh, uh, do an interview. And I said, okay, it's not a problem. He said, I got to let you know. I, I don't necessarily agree with everything. He says, but I got to say, this is an unbelievable movie. I was riveted and I don't even believe this stuff. You know, in other words, I got to have you on the interview show. So it's never boring. It's never it's never just two guys talking. It's an argument. They're grappling. Yeah, yeah it's an interview. It's grappling. an interview with the devil. Yeah, it's C.S. Lewis's screw tape letters. The mature version meets Silence of the Lambs. If you liked Jody uh, Foster talking to Anthony Hopkins, the best scenes in Silence of the Lambs when they were talking. That's that's what this, this. is. Yeah. And I promise our fellow brothers and sisters who are Catholics, I promise you, we will never betray you. The Bible says very specifically, you can judge a man by the fruit of his tree. Look at the fruit of our tree. Unplanned, God's not dead. Do you believe? God's not dead too. And so on and so forth. There is nothing in this movie for you to be scared of this is, other than the truth. This is the movie we've been asked for, ironically, for the last 10 years. We had so many believers say... I can't get my non-believing friend, I can't get my lapsed Catholic family member to go to a movie called God's Not Dead. They're not going to do it. You right. can't, it can't sound preachy. Because you already Give know what, what to expect in broader message terms, you know, from the title, even though God's Not Dead was actually like really well done, you still kind of know what, what, if you zoom out far enough, you get, oh, it's a Christian movie. You don't get you that know with Nefarious. You know what you're in for. They've been asking for the movie that plays as mainstream entertainment. Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, whoever sees it is going to be open to a conversation. And it actually, ironically, it's the other person who's going to have the questions. You're not going to have to. You're not going to have to start the conversation. They will. I also want to say thank you to you because I tell you what, Crusader Girl, love the title by yeah, the way. Great. That's thank awesome. <laughs> I, you're, you're not only are you sharp, not only are you pretty, not only you got a great personality. Praise be to God that you're Catholic. I mean, you're fighting the good fight. It's not an easy thing. I'm sure, you know, when you go to the Starbucks, blah, 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 everyone's, you know, on and on. But the bottom line is you're you're somebody that we can point to and say, you got to be like that girl. Yep. You remind me of your patron, I'm guessing, Joan of Arc here. That's right. And so, okay. you know, I and I'm honored to know you and we appreciate you interviewing us. Thank you. It's been an absolute pleasure. Carrie Solomon and Chuck Kunzelman. So thank you both so much. I hope we get to do this again with your next movie. And we'll go ahead and give the trailer. Thank you so much, both of you. Bye-bye. If there is a next movie. There'll be a next movie. Don't say that. <laughs>